You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. This isn't gotcha journalism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know how tough those elementary people I are. Know. Um, you know, we're always looking to get the worst out of people. I feel like who art Ed? Try to slice it. Who art is Mr. Wood? Art Ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. So, welcome today. We are going to be talking about Diego Velazquez. And I'm really excited because you told me you saw this piece, uh, Las Meninas, in person, right? I did. About two years ago, I was fortunate enough to take uh, my teenage boys and my husband to Spain. And we went to the Prado Museum in Madrid, yeah. uh, which is the National Museum of Madrid. It was opened in the early 1800s. And I had studied Las Meninas, this yeah. piece, beforehand in college and just had an interest in Spanish art. Uh-huh. But it was amazing to walk into the room and see an entire wall, a life-size portrait of what I had studied. And I was blown away by yeah. its by its beauty and its its excellence in composition. Yeah, it is. It is fantastic. And I I love the way you say it's blown away. So I'm going to get a little bit into the context here. And we're going to talk about our first segment is the in situ segment where we talk about the context in which it was created. Now for our in situ segment. It just gives us the context. It's about the artist and where where this all came from. And when you talk about being blown away by that massive piece, it was um, from the Baroque era. uh, And Baroque artists were often trying to create stuff that would blow away an audience. They were trying to have very high contrast and dramatic compositions that were very detailed and almost overwhelming to create something that is awe-inspiring. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was part of their goal. Um, And I always think of, like, the art world, every movement seems to be, in some ways, a little bit of the pendulum swinging and a reaction against what came before. Sure. So to understand, like, those Baroque artists and that idea... I think it's worth understanding that they came after the Renaissance period. So when we get into time, I should mention 
Diego Velazquez was born in 1599. He passed away in 1660. And this piece that we'll be talking about, what um, it was painted near the end of his life. It was the it was the 1654, if I recall correctly. 1656. 1656. <laughs> ah, we should trade roles. Um, so it was 1656 is when he painted this piece, which was, like I said, right in the Baroque era, which came after the Renaissance period. And the Renaissance period was that time of artists and really culture in general researching, looking. It was enlightenment. It was trying, you know, I think of Leonardo as that Renaissance ideal, the scientists studying sure. all sorts of different things. It was a very intellectual exercise and very much based on classical composition ideas, looking at Roman and Greek mythology, as well as like that, that art tradition. Okay. And it was very it was very methodically composed and it, it had this sort of stillness to it. It seemed like art as an intellectual pursuit, whereas the Baroque artists, it was a little bit more emotional pursuit. It wasn't, it wasn't so much from the head as from the heart. You know, there was certainly a lot of thought that went into their compositions. And this particular one, I, I love because of the complexity of it, because of the thought that he put into it. But we see a lot of very dramatic lighting and we see like high contrast light and dark, the, the bright figures surrounded by that dark shadowy background. This is about the time period where I start to see artists and Velazquez in particular showing a little bit of the process in their work, a little bit more of the brush strokes being evident, less work to thin out the paints and, and, um, and, like try to carefully blend so that it looks like real skin instead of paint a painting of skin. This is the time when uh, artists are sort of showing the truth to materials in it. And at the very, very beginning of that philosoph <laughs> philosophical <laughs> shift. Were they more experimental than the Renaissance painters? I would say so. Uh, Velasquez in particular, when we look at this, he was one of the um, earlier painters to start showing sort of everyday scenes. Like he had, one of his early works was an old woman frying an egg or a kitchen scene like that. And he was like one of the first people to be doing that. That later on was influential on other artists, modern artists in particular, shifting away from the epic myth mythological figures, important religious figures, royalty, but also like shifting towards that focus of the everyman, the every woman, the everyday experiences that people have. Kind of a game changer. Yeah, there. it was kind of a game changer. He was a little bit more expressive in, in that work, making it more relatable to the everyday person. Of course, while I say it's relatable to the everyday person, he spent most of his career in King Philip's court. <laughs> yes, you know? he was. <laughs> he was the court painter. He was to, the court painter to, uh, to King Philip. To King, and yeah. so the masses in Spain at that time did not uh, benefit from his. Yeah, the masses. Brushes. <laughs> the masses in most times didn't from from uh, you know who had the the money and who had the time to yes. sit for an artist. The royalty and the church. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that was the time and that was the time when those were the primary patrons of the arts. And the Catholic Church, which obviously was very big in Spain, yes. um, they were a patron of the arts and encouraging of that Baroque style. And um, King Philip IV 
I always find really interesting when I've read about King Philip IV, he is said to be very sort of buttoned up in his public persona. I think it's been written. He like publicly laughed three times in his life. Wow. But he was a huge lover and supporter of the arts. And he was a patron of Diego Vasquez. Diego Velazquez mispronounce every artist's (laughs) name every single time. Um, He was a patron of Diego Velazquez for pretty much his entire life. Uh, Once once Velazquez was summoned to Madrid to paint for the king, from that point on, he until he died. Yes, he he stayed in the court and he stayed in the king's employ. Uh, He stayed in the king's employ, but he did. uh, But Philip did actually allow him to travel and uh, facilitate that travel to Italy, I believe, and other places where he learned uh, a bit from other artists and took that in, and that I'm sure had an influence on his style and his development. Definitely. Now I think we'll shift towards the in gallery segment where we'll take a closer look at one particular piece. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Now for our in-gallery segment, we're going to have a discussion looking more carefully at one piece. And this week we're looking at Las Meninas from 1656. And this is probably I think it's safe to say Velazquez's most famous work and and some people yeah some people say it is like the greatest composition ever made so I think it's worth taking time to start off what what do you see what's jumping out to you about this piece and this composition well when you first see the piece it is life-size it is ten and a half feet tall and the figures in it, uh, there's a painter and there's a little girl that you see immediately when you're looking straight in. You are looking straight in to the, uh, one of the royal rooms of the palace yeah. in Madrid. And the girl you're seeing is the five-year-old daughter of King Philip and Queen Mariana. Her name is the Infanta Margarita, and Infanta means princess yeah. in Spanish. And she's surrounded by these other girls and some other figures who are all attending to her. And they're all fancily dressed. And these are Las Meninas, which translates to, I've seen um, ladies in waiting or the maids. These are the servants who were helping the princess. And what's so amazing is that the background is 
is darker. And so your eye is drawn immediately to Margarita, and she is wearing a beautiful ivory ball gown, looks like, straight out of Disney Princess Yeah, she, era. Oh, she looks like she's, like, glowing the way exactly, that, the way that exactly. light's coming in from the right side. Yeah, there's a window open on the right side yeah. that uh, Velasquez is uh, painting the light right into uh, the female figures. And there's a girl uh, offering her a glass of water. And there are two figures on the side who I found really interesting in historical context. They are two people with dwarfism who were part of the official court of Spain. And uh, there's a boy and a girl, and they are playing with the dog. And in the background, again, Velasquez plays with the light to drive you straight into the back of the painting where there's a shadowy figure in a doorway. And you don't know if he's going up the stairs or down the stairs. You don't know if he's coming into the picture or out of the picture. And you're going to help me with the art term, yeah. but is it the vanishing point? The, the vanishing point is right around there. Like, if, what what is the? Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah. So the vanish. So basically, in in art, when we talk about trying to create an illusion that there is depth, even though it's a flat painting. Um, we remember a couple of basic ideas, and one is that things closer to us look bigger, things farther away look smaller. Okay. So the vanishing point is the point at which things would be so far away, they'd look so small, they vanish, they disappear, we can't see it anymore. I see, okay. So if you look at, at, at this composition, everything is sort of implying, like the way that things are angled, um, basically like the back wall is essentially like a rectangle, but the wall we see towards the right side, it's... It's almost like a trapezoid, and the the line where the the line that's implied there is going towards as if there were a vanishing point right in that doorway. Okay. Um, and what I find interesting is like that's that little bright spot there in inside the doorway. We see a silhouetted figure. That you're right. We, it's not clear. Is he coming? Is he going? Is right. that someone trying to get their attention, or is is it someone who's just is he leaving? hanging back, Has watching the scene? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also see like the shadows uh, on all the paintings in, in that, that room, like all of those paintings, all the artwork that's on the walls, it's fuzzy, it's out of focus, which again has to do with how we create a sense of space. Um, it's atmospheric perspective. Things closer to us are brighter and more highly defined and sharper contrast and things farther away. We don't see all the details as well. So Um, when you want something to look farther away, you make it look a little bit fuzzy and sort of shadowy or across a longer distance, a little bit more pale and blue. But uh, one thing that's on the back wall that's a little bit brighter than all that other artwork, there's a mirror. Yes. And we see that is, you know, as, as the art history nerd, I'm seeing that as referencing Van Eyck's painting from 14, the middle of the 15th century. I can't remember the exact year, but there is a famous Van Eyck portrait um, that includes a rounded mirror in which you can see the artist painting himself, painting the portrait right. and all of that. So there's that, that it's sort of meta, um, which is like artwork about artwork. Sure. Um, so are you going to, are you going to drop the bomb about who's in the mirror or should I? I, I think, <laughs> I think you know the context. You, you feel free. Awesome. Thank you. So who we see in the mirror are 
the king and queen. Yeah. And what I failed to mention about this piece is also we see the painter himself. We see Diego Velasquez at a large-scale canvas painting something, peeking out around the canvas and staring right into us, the viewers. And we, when we see that reflection in the mirror, we wonder, are the king and queen sitting for their portrait? And we're looking into that scene and their daughter has come in with all her maids and is seeing what's going on, seeing what all the fuss is about. Or are the king and queen looking at Velasquez as patrons, as his patron. Are they checking checking on his work as he's painting the daughter? Exactly. It's a mystery. And it's... Yeah, we don't see the canvas. It leaves much to the viewer to, to interpret. Yeah, and I I I think of this as like it's 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 inception or something. It's yeah, a right. layer cake where it's like we see reflection <laughs> upon reflection and viewpoint upon viewpoint yeah. because we do see that he's working at a giant canvas right. and everything in here is life size and it, as I look at that giant canvas that looks like that canvas is about the scale of Las Meninas the it's like he is painting on some, like, I see, like, it, I'm seeing the back of the stretcher bars for this painting. Dun, dun, dun. You know? We're uh, watching him painting the painting. Yeah. <laughs> and and this whole thing feels like it is a peek behind the curtain. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. The, which, which is a very modern approach to, to painting. Like, thinking about all of the the complexity of this composition and the way it's revealing so much. It, in some ways, it puts the viewer in the perspective of the king and queen, whether they're s- sitting for their portrait or they are, um, you know, checking in on things, right. everyone in that room is kind of focusing their attention on that royalty. Everyone in, in that yes. painting is looking Everyone's out looking at the out. viewer, sort of all eyes on you, the way that it, I'm it sure be. <laughs> would be for the royalty. It be. They are you know? the monarchs. <laughs> you know, so so we get to be royals for a moment. We get to step into that perspective and have everybody staring at us when we come to look at Las Meninas, which I think is a really interesting idea. And the fact that he was doing that, like I say, in the middle of the 17th century, that's very much ahead of what I think of other artists doing at that time, which is why it was so, I think, influential for for other artists. You know, Picasso did his own version of Las Meninas in a Cubist w- style. Wow. Dali did his own version of it. You know, artists for generations to come were inspired by this work. Anything else you want to say about it? Uh, I do have a fun fact about I this. Love fun facts. <laughs> I do have a fun fact about this painting. So. Uh, what you were saying is about it being a more modern approach. Yeah. Uh, yes, the court painters were usually commissioned just to do royal portraits to make the royals look the best that they could. And this behind-the-scenes yeah. look is very interesting. It turns out that the king actually loved this piece so much that he kept it hanging in his private room until his death. Yeah, and uh, uh, Velasquez actually died shortly after this painting. Yeah, and he was given many honors during his life and after his life. He was actually very popular with the with the king. And after his death, he was awarded the Order of Santiago, which is a Catholic honor. And there is a red cross on his outfit in the portrait. 
that was actually not something part of the original portrait. It was added after his death. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and it was a, touched up as a was, symbol of the order and yes, the honor the that king, he received. The king commanded that it be added to the portrait after his death. So he did not paint the Red Cross yeah. on his. And I had read that he, um, that he, Diego and Philip were actually like close and had a good, comfortable relationship. Um, like they were friendly with each other because the king was so, so interested in the arts right. and passionate about about the arts that they had a good relationship. And so it's interesting that the king would would have that honor bestowed upon him he, uh, um, after he after he passed felt away. Felt very highly of him. Yeah, probably yeah. in uh, you know Thought wanting to honor his him. friend. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I I just love this for that sense of that peek behind the curtain, you know. Um, if if they were wearing different clothing, I feel like this could be painted today and st- still be very impactful. Absolutely. So I like to end this segment by asking if you could take this out of um, Madrid, out of the museum. Where where does this belong? So I have a fun idea that I wanted to run yeah. by you and see what you think. So I think Las Meninas could be the artwork for the next Netflix bingeable miniseries. <laughs> So think about popular shows right now, like The Crown and Game of Thrones. I mean, there's no dragons in this photo, but yeah. there's so much palace intrigue that you could figure out from this painting. There's so many characters. The shadowy figure in the back, he's actually the prince's, the the queen's, excuse me, Chamberlain. He runs the household. Yeah. But, you know, dun, 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 plot twist. Is he plotting against the monarchs or is yeah. he... <laughs> What is he doing? And uh, what is it like for the painter to live in the court and um, I, I do wouldn't his work? <laughs> and what about what about the little girl? And it's actually very tragic. Uh, the Infanta Margarita only lived to be 21 years old. And oh, she way was, to bring things down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but she uh, she was married off uh, yeah. to a French king to, to as part of a treaty uh, to end war between Spain and France. There's so much going on here. So much weirdness <laughs> with the royals. I you, know. You could totally have a whole bingeable show about this. But yeah, I, I, I love that, and that is so much better than what I was thinking. <laughs> what were um, you thinking? I'm, i you know, at first I was thinking I was feeling good and clever by by saying it feels to me like it would be the the front cover to like a pulpy novel. That you would like pick that up goes along Simil- with similar mine. ideas, yeah, but yeah. like, but yours is so much more contemporary. You and, need and to get so a screenplay on Las Meninas. It's but like, it's gonna it, happen. It should be. There's <laughs> so much because of the fact that it feels like there's a, there are layers and there's a revelation to it. There's right. intrigue to it. I I full I I'm fully on the same page as you, just not as as cleverly articulated. So <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. And now for our in studio segment. In studio. Think about what strategies are working. Take it. Good make artists. It your own. Copy. Great artists. Steal. Just go ahead. Steal this and art. Make it your own. These are the takeaways. This is what you can apply to your own work. So, do you want to go first, or shall I? Um, I'll go first because I think you'll have more astute <laughs> observations about about the art in particular. What I like about this painting is the idea of the contrast of the light and dark of sending the viewer's eye somewhere mm-hmm. and um, giving it a point of view. Yeah. What's your take? Well, 
I like... I think one thing that I really like about this is the fact that I feel like I'm discovering something. I feel like I'm getting a glimpse into a different world that it almost feels like it's breaking a taboo. I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm eavesdropping or catching something that maybe I wasn't supposed to see. Breaking the fourth wall. You know, it is breaking the fourth wall. It is that, that little bit of meta, but it, it's also, um, it's showing what happens behind the scenes instead of just the, you know, polished, result that people always want to present like it's the real life versus the instagram life <laughs> sure. you know what i mean um, no filter <laughs> and i i like i like things that are no filter that that show us the reality that you know welcome us into a, a world and and give us that feeling of discovery and so a, that, a peek into the process yeah um anything else you'd like to share so one thing that I really love about looking at Las Meninas is every time I look at it, I see something different. There's a sense of discovery every time you see it. I see a detail in one of the tapestries hanging on the back wall in the piece. There's always something new to discover. And for me, that's definition of great art. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He put a lot of thought into it. And when we start to realize and pick up on what he was doing, you know, it's, it's like figuring out how a magician does his tricks, you know, Absolutely. it doesn't ruin it. It, 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 in, in a lot of ways to me, it, it makes it more impressive when I see and figure out like, wow, they put a lot of thought and effort into that. And when I see all this, the rich layers that he puts into there, it's worth that, that time to, to look and discover and feel like you found something. I guess the last thing that I'm going to share is as an artist thinking about how we're going to plan our composition, um, scale of the work is very important. The larger it is, one thing is that it, if it's a very large piece and well done, it has a different impact than if it's a small piece and well done. A large piece can overwhelm the viewer and it can be almost awe-inspiring. It stops people in their tracks. That's definitely the feeling I got when seeing this in person. And also, as a practical matter for an artist, on the one hand, it is more time-consuming to paint something that is larger or to create something that is larger. Okay. But on the other hand, it makes capturing all those tiny details a lot easier. Um, You know, you have more room to paint all of the fine, you know details like the the strands of hair and the the buttons on the dress and all of that sort of stuff you have the room to execute that instead of like trying to get out your brush that is like a single bristle and try <laughs> you know what i'm saying yes like, I, I see what you're when saying you, when <laughs> you go a little bit larger when you take those small details and make them larger it's easier to render them a little bit more accurately So that would be something I would always recommend. Even if you're not going 10 feet tall, when you're trying to draw something that is relatively small, make it larger than life size. Focus in on like a small detail and make it larger so it fills your composition. It will be a lot easier to tackle that, especially if you're trying to practice something like drawing eyes, which, you know, are, are very hard. Instead of trying to draw 
the eyes photorealistically on a person that you're drawing head to toe as they are in a marching band with a hundred <laughs> other people, just focus on a close up of one face or even just a portion of the face so that you can get that, that main thing bigger. You have the room to, to focus on those small details. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to talk about art. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. So thank you very much. I I never know how to end these things. (laughs) Just like, thanks.